Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and our guest this week is Meg Saxman with the Community Foundation of Fort Wayne. Meg, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Now, did I get the name of your organization right? Is it the Community Foundation of Fort Wayne? Greater Fort Wayne. Greater Fort Wayne. I knew I missed a word. I just didn't know which one it was. We had folks from Greater Fort Wayne on recently, so I should have known that. That's my bad. So thanks for clarifying. That will be, for our listeners, the first of many errors I will make tonight. So... We got that one out of the way. Well, Meg, I understand that on a sunny day like today, you are unhappy because you like winter and snow. Is that correct? I do like winter and snow, but I'm not completely unhappy. Okay. All right. So is the fact you like winter and snow a byproduct of growing up in Michigan? Or where does that come from? Because I'm a summer person. I really like super warm weather. I think it is a byproduct of growing up in Michigan, just because you always have snow with all the lakes around. Yeah. And the snow days are my favorite thing growing up. All right. So where in Michigan did you grow up? Southern Michigan. So Coldwater, Michigan, right up 69. Oh, so not too far, just over the Indiana border. Mm -hmm. All right. So you're almost as good as as a Hoosier, even though you're from Michigan. I guess you could say that. Yeah. So what brought you to Fort Wayne? Uh, actually I had an internship in Fort Wayne, Okay. fell in love with Fort Wayne right. and knew I wanted to stay here. My husband is also from Indiana, uh-huh. so Fort Wayne was a middle ground for us Okay. and that was what brought me here. All right. Where is he from in Indiana? Portland, Indiana. Okay. So you're about halfway between. Exactly. Halfway. All right. Well, that works out really well. Well, thanks for joining us. We're going to get into a little bit more about all that because one of the things we want to hear about is your career path. We'll also talk about the Community Foundation, the work that it does, and then some of the projects you're working on. So let's start with the career path. You've already told us you're from Michigan. You and I met through a program called Fort Wayne Fellows. I'm sorry, Greater Fort Wayne Fellows. There, I missed the greater again. Um, Greater Fort Wayne Fellows. So take us from um, being a, in cold water and then making your way through that internship and how that led you to where you are today. Yeah, so in cold water, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to do something where I helped people. I knew that I wanted to make an impact in my community, but I didn't know how I wanted to do that. So I had the idea of, well, I'll work at a hospital. I'll help people that way, mm-hmm. but I hate blood. Ah, okay. hate it. Makes right. me queasy, can't do it. Um, so then I knew that a friend, his mom, worked in the business office at the hospital, and I was like, well, I'll do that. So then I started looking into careers. I found marketing. It was a great way to be creative, have different jobs every single day, get to tell stories and connect with people. So I knew that that was what I wanted to do. Okay. But I didn't know what industry I wanted to do because after digging into a hospital, it just didn't seem as fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. Having done healthcare marketing for five years, with all due respect to my healthcare marketing friends, there's some challenges that come with that industry for sure. Even if you avoid all the blood that comes with that industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. All right. So you decided you want to do something other than healthcare marketing. Where did you go from there? So from there, I found out about an internship at school and it was for a nonprofit doing their marketing. It was actually the Steuben County Community Foundation. Okay. And after two weeks there, I knew that was what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, But I still had doubts. So that led me to the Greater Fort Wayne Fellowship. Mm -hmm. And I interned with Tut Hill Transfer Systems. Mm -hmm. So I learned all about diesel exhaust fluid. I learned all about fuel pumps and just all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so my learner was very happy that summer, 
but I quickly knew that was not what I wanted to sure, do. Sure, sure. Um, I did a lot of marketing research for them, but I came back to the Steuben County Community Foundation for two more semesters and just knew that that was what I wanted to do with my life. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the fellows program. I know a little bit about it based on having presented to you and your cohorts and other cohorts over the years, but what was your experience like in that program and how did it help you? What were some of the challenges you experienced during that program? I loved it. It was amazing. Even though I wasn't in an internship where I, where I wanted to do that for the rest of my life, um, it did set me up for my future. It gave me a lot of skills that I would have not had would not have gotten otherwise. So all of the professional development, most interns don't get that. Mm-hmm. So that was great to get that, um, figure out how to conduct yourself professionally. I mean, most of the time interns are just thrown in into an internship and sure. said, do your work and go with it. Sure. So it was just great setting me up for my future. All right. So Stu Ben Community Foundation is probably a very small organization, yes. I would imagine. How many employees? So when I was there, they had four employees. Okay. So my my suspicion is because there are only four employees, you got to do a lot during your internship. Yes. Probably more than you would do at another internship opportunity. Is yes. that correct? Yes. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I experienced early in my career, one of my first jobs was for, it was in healthcare, but it was a very small hospital. So I got to do just about everything in marketing and communication, learned a lot, learned all the things that I'm bad at, and got the chance to try a lot of different things. Was that your experience in that in that role? Yes. So, so as an intern there, I was their marketing person. Mm, so okay. I got to do social media, websites, everything. Uh-huh. So it was one of those, she's a young person, she can handle social media for us. Yes. yes. And yeah. that was a wide awakening, even for me as a yeah. young person, because I thought, oh, sure, I'll just post two to three times a week, no problem. And I won't think about it until right before I want to post. No, that was not the case. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we we all learned that lesson one way or another. So you're at the Steuben uh, Community Foundation. You're taking classes at Trine at that time. You're in the fellows program. How do you get from there to the Community Foundation? What happens then? So... My senior year, I actually spent a lot of time applying to tons of different community foundations, sending them my resume because I knew that was what I wanted to do. Unfortunately, a lot of them did not have marketing people, were not going to be hiring for marketing people, or they already had a marketing person and they were not going anywhere. So I kind of accepted defeat at that point and knew, okay, community foundation work is not for me Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. but eventually... Uh, So I started applying to other places a week before finals, my senior year. I finally landed a job here in Fort Wayne as a marketing coordinator. Um, That position was not for me. I quickly learned that. Ah, Um, I was promised to be able to use my expertise and to really help them develop their marketing communications for their events. and it quickly became apparent that they did not understand uh-huh. how a website worked. Okay. I didn't think that I knew how a website worked. Okay. So after a couple of weeks there, I decided I can't do this anymore. Yep. Um, student loans don't start for another six months, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna yep. go home, put my letter of resignation in, yep. and that's gonna be it. Well, as soon as I had that thought, as soon as I told my husband, I get a phone call from a Fort Wayne number. Mm-hmm. So I answer it and it is the Community Foundation of Greater Fort Wayne. Okay. It's their marketing person mm-hmm. informing me that yep. she is thinking about leaving 
Okay. But needs a replacement mm-hmm. and doesn't know of anyone but had my resume on file. Okay. So she just asked to get lunch and then that was it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, that worked out pretty well. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about what community foundations do because you've already have you know experience along those lines. Um, you know, and I, I think there's a misconception for marketing a community foundation. And it may I may be the only one with this misconception, but you know, people tend to think community foundations just give away money. How hard could it be to market that? So tell me what the reality is that you've experienced. What what does it require? What does a community let's start with what does a community foundation do? And then what is the role of a marketer in that world? So community foundations do a lot of things. Primarily, we do three things, though. We help people with their charitable giving to mm-hmm. make it more impactful. Yep. We also provide funding to effective nonprofits, known as grant making. Mm-hmm. And then we also provide leadership in the community to address community needs. Okay. And so a lot of people think we just hand out money to nonprofits sure. and that's a bulk of what we do. I mean, it is a bulk of what we do, but we do so much more. Um, we do scholarships to students. Um, but primarily we help people who have a philanthropic heart mm-hmm. to give back to the community and we help connect them with needs that we know about. And we also, when we see people operating in silos, mm-hmm. we try to connect them so yeah. then they can have a greater impact in our community also. Okay. Well, and as a um, nonprofit volunteer, I chair a nonprofit board. Uh, let me disclaim, I will say thank you to any support the Community Foundation has given that organization over the years. Um, so so a question on what you just said with, with community determining, helping determine community needs and where donor dollars are best spent, how do you actually do that? How does a Community Foundation determine that? We do a lot of listening, Okay. a lot of listening. So we meet with nonprofits. We want to hear what they're working on, what they're seeing the most needs are, because we're not on the ground doing that work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how we find out ab- about a lot of different needs. And then also people coming to us for funding and saying, hey, this is something that needs addressed. It's not being need. It's not being addressed right now. Mm-hmm. Can you help? And then we start digging into that, listening more. And that's really how we find out about things. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the roots of the Greater Fort Wayne Community Foundation, because found, you know, foundations usually start with funding from an individual or from you know, a, an organization. How did the Community Foundation get its start and how has it changed over the years? So it started with a group of people who wanted to create a community foundation, wanted to create impact in Fort Wayne, and they pulled together resources and started, I believe we were originally called the Fort Wayne Community Foundation. Um, We've had various names over the years. Um, And then from there, we um, grew, but then we actually paused for a time, I believe in the 1920s shortly after we were created okay. um, because of the Great Depression okay. um, and everything that was happening at the time. Yep. And then I believe it was in the 1950s or so we started back up. Okay. Um, and then from there, we've just grown exponentially over the years. Okay. And obviously, it's a larger organization than the group you worked with in Steuben County when it was yes. only four people. About how many employees and, and how do you fit into that mix? So we have 12 employees right now, Mm -hmm. and that's changed and morphed over the years. And I am the only person in our marketing and communications Mm -hmm. department. I do typically have an intern Um, right now with the pandemic. That's been a little hard just working from home and needing to manage an intern 
uh, digitally has yep. been difficult. Yeah. Um, so I am on the leadership team. I know everything that's going on within the foundation. So then I can communicate that okay. to our different audiences. So then I know of anything that's coming down the pipeline. Okay. So what is that like being a department of one? What are some of the, you know, let's let's talk about the average day. And I know the typical response is there is no average day, but what are you typically focused on day to day in in the in the weeds, if you will, on on the stuff that you're working on sort of hands-on every day? What does that consist of? Well, our donors come first. So if there's anything that I need to address that pertains to our donors, Mm -hmm. that comes first. So if they need any resources, if they are paying for extra services, then we, then I drop everything to make sure Mm -hmm. that gets done. And then I would say our nonprofit resources, um, because we do trainings and provide different things to local nonprofits. Um, But for the most part, my day is spent working on our marketing and communications plan. It's figuring out what's the best way to communicate the things that we're doing, share our story, and make sure that all of our audiences know what they need to know. Okay, so what are some of the key vehicles you're using? I would assume social media is part of the mix. I would assume that PR is part of the mix. Specific to social media, what tools are you using? And then if you can talk about some of the other tools you're using to to communicate with your stakeholders. For social media, we use Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, Instagram, we're just not in that market. We're not in that demographic. Is that because it still skews too young for who you're up and reach? Yes. Um, and then as far as other vehicles that we use, we use a lot of email marketing, mm-hmm. so newsletters. Um, we also do blogs, mm-hmm. not as regularly as I would like. Yeah. Um, and then we also do um, a lot on our website. Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, let's dive in a little more deeply. One of the questions that I like to ask people because one of the target audiences for this podcast is other marketers. I always find it interesting to hear what are the big projects that are sort of on your mind, the things that are taking up most of your headspace, maybe you keeping keeping you up at night, maybe you're making you excited, maybe a little bit of both. What are some of the things that are highest on your to-do list or maybe the biggest rocks you're trying to move right now? So right now that would be our 2020 annual report. Okay. Just because that is going to look a lot different than it normally mm-hmm. does. Okay. We want to address the things that we did during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We want to address um, everything that we worked on last year, which was our normal things. And sure. then also um, everything we did to pivot and to try and help as much as we could. Um, so that is top of my list. Okay. And then we are also getting ready for our 100th anniversary next mm-hmm. year. So we are getting a committee together, trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do next year. And so that is super exciting, especially that I get to be a part of that and help head that. Um, So that those are the two most exciting things I'm working on right now. All right. Well, let me dive into something you mentioned. You talked about how the Community Foundation pivoted during the pandemic. What did that look like? What were some of the things that the organization did differently? And and why was it necessary the Community Foundation do things differently? So one thing we did revolving around our grant making was we shortened our application and we also paid out to nonprofits a lot quicker that were getting grants. And then we also, um, the grants that we were not going to be funding, we actually started advertising those to our donor advice funds. So then they could be funded through that way. Okay. Um, We also did a lot with the Artist Relief Fund, Mm -hmm. with Arts United, and providing money to artists who were affected by the pandemic. Okay, 
All right. Yeah, and this this might be obvious to some listeners, but with my involvement with Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne Trails, one of the things that you know I was pretty close to was the fact that a lot of nonprofits depend upon events to raise mm-hmm. money, and events went out the window. So a lot of revenue goes out the door, and you still have operating costs. You still have other needs that need to be funded. So I applaud you for doing that and shortening the the, the cycle of grant making because it was a very different time, and yeah. a lot of organizations were struggling. Yeah. Yeah, and we also did Giving Tuesday Now, mm-hmm. which raised over seven hundred thousand dollars, which was the biggest day, biggest giving day we have ever done, oh, wow. and the most we've ever raised. So we had nonprofits send in applications about how they were affected by the pandemic, yep. and then we posted all of those on our website, and we um, encouraged people to give on that day. And we were expecting to raise maybe a hundred and fifty thousand, and so it was wow. just mind blowing. Wow. Well, that's- that's great. Well, that's great. Going back to the annual report for a second, I'm always curious as to how much different organizations outsource, how much they keep in-house. Is that something you fully do in-house? Do you write it? Do you design it? You probably don't print it, but how much of it is done in-house and how much of that do you outsource? So this year is actually different. I am outsourcing it. I'm still doing all of the content, getting everything put together and working with Lofthouse Films to um, plan and figure out exactly what we want to do for it. But they're actually designing it. Previous years, I have done design all of it except printing. Just send that off to a printer. Um, So I'm excited to see how it turns out this year. Yeah. Well, and there's there's never a right answer to that. Obviously, at Asher, we love when people outsource because it creates opportunities for us, but we also, you know, support. I was just at a meeting with a client and we were talking about whether they were had the capacity to do it in-house or whether we were going to do it. And a lot of times that's what it comes down to is who's got the bandwidth. And one of the things that uh, you know, an outsourced entity does is provides that extra bandwidth when you need it. But certainly there's times when it's better down in-house and I'm sure it's a relief to you to say, eventually this will be off my plate and on somebody else's. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, Meg, I'm going to move to what I call the speed round of the show where I ask three questions that are similar to what we've talked about, but looking for more uh, quick, pithy answers to them, if you will. So we talked about your career path and you've obviously, you moved here from a different state, even if only over the border. You have made some job changes, you've thought about different career paths, you've experienced jobs that maybe weren't for you. So in all that, what's your best piece of advice in terms of building a successful career? If somebody was asking you just getting started in their career, or they were thinking about making a change, what would you tell them is the most important thing when it comes to being successful in your career? I think the biggest thing is listening to yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you have a voice telling you this isn't right, this isn't for me, then you need to listen to that and you need to find something that is for you. And in addition to that, I think taking creative time, especially every week, is very important. Um, Just a way to get your creative juices flowing, a way to get all of your ideas out, and to just take time to do what you love. So let's talk about that for a minute, because that is one of you know the things that I truly believe in, but don't always execute that well. You know, I I am a big believer in getting away from sort of the granular stuff like email and, and meetings in order to think big, but it's really hard to make that a priority. So how do you do that? How do you actually execute execute that in your own professional life? 
So I do it a couple different ways. Um, one of my favorite ways, especially if I'm feeling a little disorganized, is actually stepping away from my computer, getting a huge whiteboard, and just writing down, doodling, whatever I need to do that's on my mind that I need to get out. Okay. So then that actually allows me to have creative time to do things that I haven't had time to do. All right. So just getting away from some of the ways you typically work going to a, an inherently creative space and mm-hmm. just kind of letting the ideas flow from there. Yes. All right. Well, that's great. That's great. I may have to try that. All right. Second question. If somebody stopped you on the street and gave you a minute or 30 seconds or some arbitrary short length of time to explain the Community Foundation in a sentence or two, what would you tell them? I would say we do three things. We (laughs) um, help people with their charitable giving by making it more impactful. We provide grant making to effective nonprofits and we provide leadership to address community needs. Excellent. So very consistent with your earlier answer and very easy for people to digest. If you put a fourth one out there, they'd forget all four, but the rule of threes applies. All right, Mm -hmm. great. Well, the last question is a little bit more challenging and hopefully we're at the near the end of of this global pandemic we've been in. But, you know, you've been close to this because you're working with nonprofits and you're hearing stories of those impacted by nonprofits. One of the things that everyone has had to do over the course of the last year plus is to learn how to be resilient one way or another. You know, some people have dealt with personal illness, others have dealt with family illness, others have dealt with job loss. Um, And those of us who haven't dealt with any of those things are pretty fortunate. But everyone has dealt with challenges of one sort or another. So how have you built resilience and kind of stayed optimistic throughout everything that's gone over the last year? And what would you recommend that others think about? So one thing that I have recited for the last year is to slow down and be intentional. Mm -hmm. Because I think one thing that everyone did at first when the pandemic started was rush and send out emails and send out communications, we're closed, you can't come in here. Um, And people need to know that information, but then it didn't slow down. Mm -hmm. And people were continuing to get bombarded. And I even noticed myself personally, the second I got an email from someone, I would just delete it because I knew that it was just going to be another COVID update. It was not going to be something that I needed to know or it was everyone is restricting visitors. Okay. Yeah. Um, And every email was going to start within these unprecedented times. Yeah. It all started to kind of blend together. Yeah. So one thing I really tried to do was just slow down and be intentional with um, my marketing plan. So there was things that we did not do last year that Mm -hmm. we typically do. Um, all the time. And then we also figured out, okay, is this the best way that this audience needs to know this information? Um, Can this just be a post on social media? Can this just go on our website and they don't need an email blast about this? Um, So we just started asking more questions and tried to slow down before we sent something out. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm a big believer in in slowing down in order to speed up, that if you Mm -hmm. take the time on the front end to really think it through, whether that's the message you're going to communicate, the medium you're going to use to communicate, whether you, why you're doing something at all can save you a lot of time in the long run. It's, yes. it's advice I desperately need every day, but I try to adhere to that as, long, as often as I can. So I applaud that quite a bit. All right. Well, anything else you want the good people listening to this podcast to know, Meg? 
No, other than our name is Community Foundation of Greater Fort Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Community Foundation of Greater Fort Wayne. I will eventually get that right. All right. Well, thank you. And despite the fact that the sun is out, I hope you enjoy the rest of the thank night. You. And hopefully no snow falls on your behalf or anyone else's behalf anytime soon. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, Meg, thanks for joining us. And thanks to everyone who listened to this episode. We'll be back next week with another great guest. Thanks. Thanks.